well, Cheyenne, I don't want to start out on a somber note, but it kind of somber, but yet exciting in the same breath. This is the final episode of season two of Birdie's Not BS. I don't know how we got here, but we made it. It's gone by so fast. I know, it's been weird. Like, yeah. we've all been cooped up. Oh, and my goodness. Quarantine season. Qu- yeah, quarantine <laughs> season, Birdie's Not BS, coming to a close today. But you know what? We're closing it on a high note. Masters week. Yes. Oh, uh, I mean, yes. we all know that you think the Masters is overrated. It's okay. I forgot I said that. You did say that. <laughs> you said that uh, we, can, we can go back to season and it one. Is, it is true. I mean... I, I said going to the Masters is overrated, uh, but I do still get excited about Masters Week and all the, you know, Monday morning Masters Week tweets and posts that we see. Oh, yeah. See, I, I'm all in right now. I'm like greened out, yellowed out, looking for all of the azalea. Uh, wait, stop. It's it's November. It is November. So I don't even know if the azaleas bloom this time. Are we going to see a duller Masters this year? I saw some photos the other day of what the course looked like, and the trees are changing color. Um, the course definitely looks different than we're used to, but it still is Augusta National, and I really don't think you can beat that. Agreed. I agree. It, it was weird seeing like all the golf media outlets post the, the pictures of the overseed, and it was like Augusta was brown, and this Masters is going to suck, and then all of a sudden it was like, boom, this lush green, and we know how overseed is. It's freaking beautiful. Augusta is such a magical place because you're right. The last few months we have seen the dried out photos, the overseeding, and then all of a sudden Masters Week comes and Augusta National is magical. It's Augusta National. It's perfect. But you know what I'm getting annoyed of? Uh oh. <laughs> I'm getting annoyed of the who's who in the golf world showing that they're actually going to the Masters. Oh, say more. Yeah. Now I'm intrigued. Have you seen that? No, I haven't noticed. I've seen all like the photographers on like IG saying like, Masters Week, here we are. But I'm I'm more interested to hear what you got to say. Maybe just because I follow the media or agencies and I'm seeing people post about the Masters and I don't know, maybe they're just acting like they're going to the Masters, but I was hating a little bit when uh, I was seeing some locations in Augusta. No, you should hate. (laughs) I I feel like there's a time to hate. And if, if, if there's a time to hate about people getting out to Augusta and getting prepared and seeing stuff that we're not all seeing it, it's now because it is. this is the first masters in hell as long as we've been alive that there's no patrons right so this golf course is going to play completely different than it has in past years yeah and you know what i'm actually finally happy about getting the balls to run off into the trees and not hitting people in the head right you actually see like, the missed shots and haven't seen the players have to pay for them because people gonna get exposed out there but at the same time, with no patrons, it is going to play a lot softer. It's supposed to be wet this week. So, I mean, is it going to play longer? Is it going to play easier? What are your thoughts there? One, Augusta has sub-air everywhere. Like, not just the greens. I think they have sub-air in some of the fairways. So, what the players might be seeing as they lead up into the Masters, I think you're going to get a different feel come Masters Day because they're going to be like, oh, we saw, we saw where Bryson hit it in the practice round. We saw where, where Rory was in this shot and that shot. You know what? I didn't like that. So let's go ahead and firm it up. Um, I, I'm ex- There's so many different things to follow this year. There's two things that I'm really looking at going into this week's Masters is, one, Cameron Champ playing his first Masters. I'm very excited for Cam. Uh, his dad's awesome, uh, Jeff Champ and the family. And, and for them, A, just to be able to, 
You know, he won a championship two years ago, and it wasn't a, uh, it didn't qualify him for the Masters, mm. which I think is bullshit, personally. Yeah, that's If you went on the PJ Tour, sense. you should go to the Masters. You know, and the same happened to Tony a few years ago. He won the Puerto Rico, didn't get to go to the Masters. Right. So I'm really excited to see Cam. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited. I think a lot of people are interested or even intrigued by what Bryson uh, Bam Bam, as I call him, is going to do this week because as far as he's hitting the ball, I mean, this thing is flying right now. And they might keep it soft just to keep the brakes on him a little mm, bit. That will be interesting to see how his to see how his game translates to a golf course as traditional and as complex as Augusta National. The greens are not easy. I mean, yes, you can hit the ball in the trees and still have a shot, but you really do have to be careful on this golf course. So I wonder if his distance will be as great of an advantage as it has been this season. Well, what I find interesting about Augusta is, you know, the, the holes start to turn at like 280, You know, you get a lot of corners and edges, you know, and he's hitting the ball stupid far, but he's also spinning it really, really low. So if it's going to play soft, that's going to help him keep the ball from going through fairways. But if it does play a little firmer, I think it's going to be interesting seeing him how far his balls go offline. You know, you talk about different lines that he, he can take. They're talking about him driving one green. It's like Jeez. it's like 430 over the bunker down the right side. And then you talk about a whole like, you know, 13. And I'm hearing reports that he's hitting it like 123 yards out, like taking wow. it straight over the trees down the left side wow. of, of that par five. And um I hope he hits it in the trees. Let's just be honest. Not not <laughs> not to like wish him ill will. Right. I just want to see how he's gonna navigate the plan B after mm. plan A got him in jail. Right. And this is a course where it will expose you and you will find out who can scramble, who can save pars. It's a major championship. And it's not just any major, it's, it's the, masters. the Masters. It's the Masters. So it will be interesting. I mean, we've talked a lot about Bryson. Um, we posted the question on Instagram asking you guys who you yeah, thought who would you be a good pick. Week. And there are some good ones. Yeah. Um, you know, Douglas Fresh here that's, in front of me. That's it. That's <laughs> it. I got a unique, I got a unique reason why. I'm going with with Matt. Matthew Wolf. That's that's it's a funny story. Long okay. story short, uh, I was FaceTiming with Gankus. He was with Wolf, and he saw my little patch of grass in the back, and he was like, "Dougie, look, if I win the Masters, I'll put grass in your whole backyard." So Ooh. that's yeah. So I'm I I want some grass. Okay. So okay. it's like Matt, come through for your boy one time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want that grass back there. So you're you're planning on a lot more than just Absolutely. a good golf tournament. You need a backyard. I get a back if if Matt upgrade. if Matt wins and he keeps his word, and I'm getting some grass. <laughs> All right, I'm rooting for you too. I but appreciate. I like it. a few of these other ones that people commented. Rory McIlroy, um, always in the conversation when we're talking about major championships. Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa. Uh, Tony Finau, Xander, he's always in the mix. Always. And, of course, you know, Tiger Woods. There's a... You said that so quick, and, of course, Tiger I mean, he's he's all... It's Augusta. It's Augusta. If there's, <laughs> there's anybody a that wild owns card. it. There's a wild card. Who's the wild card? Um, I saw some earlier. Daniel Berger. DB, straight vibe. Yeah. Um, but, of course, this is really the who's who of major championship winners and competitors. And I personally... I like seeing people who have played well at Augusta in the past. Um, Tony, you know, he's been up there in the final group with Tiger. Tiger obviously has a great history at Augusta. Bryson's been playing great. Um, U.S. Open champion coming in. But I think my oh, – Colin's been doing well too. Uh, and I love Xander. He's one of my, like, under-the-radar favorites. He's not super flashy, but he's always super up consistent. there. So super. I'm going to say, okay, my two picks – 
obviously Tiger Woods. How you gonna get two picks? Don't nobody get two Why? picks. Why? Like, everybody get eight. You get eight picks. Who you going with? Like, you don't get two. All right, I'll give you two. That's fine. Whatever. I'm gonna go with Tiger Woods and Xander. Okay, I've never heard of Tiger, but Xander <laughs> definitely. Xander's a good pick, man. He's sneaky. He's consistent. He doesn't sneaky. hit it too far off line. I'm going with, like, and this is, look, regardless of what uh, the grass that could be coming in my backyard, <laughs> if you look at, at what Matt Wolf did at the U.S. Open, because I, I honestly think that Augusta does give you some of the things that a U.S. Open setup gives you. You got to play the ball in the fairway. It's hard to play from the rough. Um, I feel like Augusta's greens may be a little bit slopier. I know it's it's a very it's wing foot versus Augusta, mm-hmm. but there might be a little bit more undulation you can kind of play offense with at Augusta, yeah. whereas you have to use it more like defensively at a wing foot. So I liked how Matt na- navigated wing foot this year. Um, you know, people don't even realize that Matt Wolf is number twelve in the world. Wow! Like it's like. It doesn't even, it kind of don't match when you right. say it. It's like Matt Wolf is number 12 in the world. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Where the hell did he, he come He crept from? up there real quick. Smooth. Like yeah. smooth and quiet. So yeah. that's that's another thing. And I hate to always agree with you sometimes. Because <laughs> I want to throw it out there, you know, whatever. I like Tony. My man played on a broken ankle two years ago. Yes. In the, in the Masters. I, I feel like Augusta owes him mm-hmm. a good week. And let's get Tony a major. Yeah. I mean, Tony has been very, very competitive. He's been in the mix the last few years. I think the experience of playing in the final group on Sunday with Tiger Woods at Augusta National is huge. Um, Obviously, the environment, the atmosphere will be a little bit different this year to where it might not really play up to his advantage because there's no fans. You're not going to have that same Sunday at Augusta. Yeah, no roars, no... Right. You're not going to... You have the leaderboard watch. Literally, yeah. you have to. Yeah. But I do think that that, you know, being in contention at Augusta teaches you a lot. And I think that he's going to have a good showing this So let's week. unpack your other pick. And that's... Xander. No, the other one. Elder. Oh, Tiger. Let's talk about... Okay, well, we can go back to Xander. Xander, we coming. But, let, you know, let's talk about Eldrick for a second. Because... Yes. Number one, and I don't mean to be critical, because I don't have no majors know nothing i just feel like tiger is not prepared as it relates to like he hasn't got the tournament reps we've seen him in what one event since the u.s open if that um yeah it's like you know in your preparation when you're getting ready for an event you kind of like to play and be like maybe a week out or two we take the week out off before but how do you feel about tiger um a lot of people counted him out last year but he played a couple weeks before augusta this year he hasn't played again so what it's tough. It is because he, we hear it all the time. He does like to have the tournament reps going into major championships. He wants to be peaking the week of a major and with less reps, it is a little questionable to how prepared he will be, but he's Tiger Woods and it's Augusta national. Um, so who knows? He is the defending champion, obviously, and he's played great at Augusta in the past. So I just, it's hard to say. It really is a wild card, which is crazy to say with Tiger Woods, but yeah, I think you game just don't know what card. to expect. Yeah. No, agreed, agreed. So now let's let's touch on Sander. Sander. I'm a, that, every time I say that, I'm gonna I'm see your voice. Your I don't face know going, what it is about Sander. Sander. I just he just seems so nice. It's the melanin. That's what it is. It's the melanin. That's all. Um, <laughs> He's got that little bit of brown. Just a little little swag to him. You know what I'm saying? It's he like what it, 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 they try he to does. probably put him in a box too. It's all right, Xander. We yes. we rocking with you though. Shout out to Xander Shoffley. <laughs> Xander is a good pick. Because he's never too far away. And he's one of those guys that if he can just get the putter rolling, just one good round, boom. Yeah. Lightning could flash. Yes. 
I always love a good underdog pick. And I just feel like Xander is always the underdog. He's always the name that's kind of like, where did he come from? He's Like I said, he's not super flashy, but he gets the job done, and he is a a good-ass player. Well, you talk about a name that comes out of nowhere. Patrick Reed won the, ma- won the Masters. Yeah, all right. yeah, that's true. You talk about an underdog. <laughs> so, all right, that's now, true. out of everybody out there, we talked about, you know, Rory and, and Souffle and, and Bryson, yeah. Bam Bam. Um, who's the one person that you think nobody even is thinking about that's got a chance to play well? I know it's a tough question. I mean, we've talked about all the big names, so I'm thinking. There's going to be a lot of people that show yeah. up out of nowhere that really can contend. And I think what people always forget, even though there's going to be no fans, there's going to be no roars, there's still that back nine on Sunday at Augusta. Right. That's probably the toughest place to play a back nine on a Sunday. Fans, no fans, no roars. Right. It's going to come down that back nine on Sunday. I mean, it is what it is. You know what to expect, and you just have to get it done, you know, especially Sunday afternoon. Um, Again, I am curious how the course will be playing and how, you know, the, what did you call it? The sub air? Sub air system. Yeah. yeah. The sub air system of how the course is able to drain and dry out. Exactly. The big fan. It's just, sub air is just a big fan underneath the greens that can either pull moisture out or retain the moisture that's in the green. So they could play a really soft practice Mm -hmm. round and then really suck all the water out and get the place playing like a U.S. Open the next day. Um, And that's, that's not a cheap investment for every green at Augusta. But I, I don't know. I think... I think for once, there really is, it's an open kind of race this week. You know, watching the the, the Houston Open last week and, and seeing Carlos Ortiz break through, shout out to, to Mexico, uh, Carlos Ortiz coming through. You know, Dustin Johnson was still right there last week. Mm, he was. So yeah. you talk about. We didn't even mention peak. his name. <laughs> wow. I, I don't think Dustin's a favorite at Augusta. I don't yeah. think he's fared well in past Masters. He may have finished, yeah. you know, top five, whatever. But I don't think he's really a name that has consistently been there the leaderboard come Sunday. Right. And I don't mean to forget DJ. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, and he's won every year he's been on tour. He's like got 12, 13 years of wins in a row. But I just don't think he rises to the occasion at Augusta. Mm-hmm. Not to talk shit about him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He's, he's just Augusta's such a, a tactician's course, mm-hmm. which is really why I want to see Bryson – like yes. try to cut corners and take on lines that nobody's play it ever differently done. differently than like, anybody he's, has. He's literally going to play this course unlike anybody's ever seen it and right. just try to beat the hell out of it. And yeah. it could be disrespectful or Augusta in the pines in pine straw going to be like, nah, nah, bro. It's not going <laughs> to happen this week, bro. But, you forgot where you're at this week. But nah, but you know what's crazy though? You talk about the traditions and, and the love of the game going into the Masters. You know, we had Larry Fitzgerald on this week. We're going to uh, cut into that interview here shortly and you know, there's a lot of things that I don't think people really understand about a Larry Fitzgerald. Like, his his love, it's not even a love, it's like a, a he oozes this passion for the game of golf, and I, I think, it, hell, it sounds like it's almost more than football. <laughs> I think he looks forward sometimes to Sundays playing golf than Sundays playing in the NFL. And um, let's get into this Larry bit. What's up, everybody? This is Maribel Quesada-Smith, producer of Birdies Not BS. That means I'm in charge of making sure everything we create connects with our audience in a meaningful way. And if you have a business or brand, you probably get why that matters. I'm a producer and creative consultant who understands that your online presence should be working for your brand, not against your bottom line. So if you're ready to create online video and audio content in English or in Espanol that builds trust and turns your audience into loyal customers, go to maribelqs.com forward slash ready and let's make something meaningful together. Now let's get back to Doug and Cheyenne. 
All right. So we're back with another episode and we've got one of my favorite people, especially growing up in Phoenix, Phoenix Cardinal, Larry Fitzgerald, also a very avid golfer here on the show with us today. Thanks for coming on, Larry. It's a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me. And uh, it's, it's really an honor to be able to share, to share you guys' space. Um, I, I really admire and uh, respect what you guys are doing. And, and I hope I can add some positive content. Thank you. Well, Larry, first of all, I want to say we appreciate you jumping on. You're not going to remember it, but I remember it vividly. I was on the backside of 17 Green during the 2016 Memorial Tournament, and you were just back there chilling. Wasn't nobody bothering you. You was off. I rode up on you. I was like, yo, you know, Larry, Doug Smith, nice to meet you. Whoop-de-woo. You couldn't have been more gracious. But I don't think people understand. Not only are you a big golfer, it's like you're the biggest golf fan. Talk about the connection to you with the tour players, the tour, and, and all that is and around the game of golf. Well, you know, I, I initially got my start in Minneapolis, Minnesota. My dad's been playing golf for over 40 years. And so, you know, I never really liked golf. I thought it was kind of slow. You know, when I was growing up, I was like, you know, most inner city kids wanted to play basketball, football, play sports at a little bit faster. Um, you know, those are the athletes that you were watching growing up and, and you kind of could relate to them. And, you know, um, I didn't really, you know, get into the love of golf until, you know, until I was about 28, 29. But when I was young, my dad used to have us kind of poor caddy for him, brother and I would pretty much go on, I would go on the right side, my brother go on the left side of the fairways and my dad's friends would play golf and we would find their balls and, um, you know, walk off the yardages to the front, the middle, to the back of the greens, you know, clean their balls. And at the end of the, at the end of the round, you know, we would make a little bit of money. And that was kind of like our, our little side hustle in the summertime. And, and really it was great for me because I learned the game of golf in terms of the etiquette and what, what to do, what not to do, how to tempt the flag and, not to walk on people's lines, you know, all of the things that, you know, I think amateur golfers and people just getting into the game don't understand. But I learned that at a very young age. And then when I got a little bit older, um, you know, I started taking up the game and I really, really enjoy it. Um, it teaches some great life skills, I think, that are applicable to everything that you do. And, um, you know, I just, I just love the game. I think the first time that we actually played golf was that LPGA Founders Cup Pro-Am. Um, we played with Carson Palmer and I have to say, I was so impressed with obviously how you play, but also your knowledge of the game. Is that, is golf something that just automatically fascinated you? I know you watch a lot of golf, um, and you have been playing, like you said, for a while, but your knowledge of the game of understanding what we're doing out there is really impressive. How did that come about? Watch well, study. I love the psychology of the game and, um, you know, I, I watch everything. I mean, literally LPGA, um, Corn Ferry Tour, I mean, like, Champions Tour. If, if it's on TV, I feel like I can learn something because the swing is, uh, the swings are so different. I always hear people teaching and coaching guys how to swing and girls how to swing. I don't think there's any right way to swing. Um, you look at any player, man or woman, on uh, at the highest level, the only thing that is the same is the is impact of, of the ball. I mean, you can take it inside, you can take it outside, you can, you can, you know, cross the line at the top. But once, if the club face is square, um, on the ball, it's gonna go most times where you want it to go, and you know I, I just I just love the game. I, I love talking about it. I love studying it. You know I, I love to hear different people's philosophies and the way they think about how they approach it. You know, um, and there's so many different ways. I mean, you look at guys like Webb Simpson, who's who's had a phenomenal year this year, and then you look at somebody like Bryson DeChambeau. They play golf completely different. Not even near the same. Right. Not even close to the same. But they've won. I think Webb won three times last year. Bryson won twice. I mean, so it doesn't matter how you play the game. It's about how you get mm -hmm. the ball in the hole, and that's really what matters. And so I love, I love everything that goes into that. 
it's funny that comparison between Bryson and, and Webb because at the end of the day, we're talking about two major champions, both U.S. Open winners, and they, like you said, they get it done completely different ways in completely different fashions. When you talk about your game, you know, we got nowadays the power game, the finesse game. We got guys doing it all different ways. How would you describe your golf game, Larry? Well, I would say from like 100 and in, I would say I'm probably like a pretty close to a scratch golfer. That's where my strength is, wedge play, putting, um, you know, chipping and things of that nature. I feel like I really saw fans. I got a, you know, a great imagination. I try to be like Bubba Watson when I see the ball, you know. <laughs> you better see. have good hands in the golf course. I'll tell you that. I'm excited over here. I remember my son's practice. He gave me all talking about golf and I get, I get excited. Um, and so, but off the tee is where I really struggle. I just, I lose so many of my, of my, sh- my shots on off the tee. And um, that's why I literally, that's why I watched the, the LPGA so much is because I'm just fascinated by the consistency of their ball flexibility off the tee. I mean, you, it's like you could literally just take take a golf ball and walk out in the middle of the fairway. You don't even have to hit it. Um, I got a chance to play. I got a chance to play this year um, in the Diamond Resorts, and I got a chance. I played with Angela Stan- Stanford. I played with Lexi Thompson, and I played with MB Park. And in three days of playing, I saw two missed fairways, and I was just like, this is <laughs> this is this is crazy consistency. Uh, and so I was just blown away. See, that pisses That's me funny. off. I'm already angry about it because Cheyenne, you play with Cheyenne. <laughs> I've played golf with Cheyenne a hundred times, and I've seen her miss one fairway. And we it was hit a boring. lot of fairways. It's boring, right? It it is like, boring. Come on, miss a fairway. I want to see you hit it out the rough one time. I want to see something. Look, look, I'll take boring golf any day. Yeah, I know. I would too. <laughs> see, one time Cheyenne hit it like on the edge of the fairway, and I kicked it into the rough just to be like, you know what? Let's see what you got over here. But <laughs> that's real. Cheyenne, 94% fairways and regulation. I love it. Makes it nice and easy for us. But I was going to say, I was super impressed uh, when we did first play. You said that you do watch a lot of LPGA golf. You know the players, you know their game, um, but you do have a true appreciation for that. Is it simply the style of play that we have that that really drew you to that? It's the position the position and the skill associated with the way I, I see you play. It's like, I mean, there's a few ladies that, you know, can overpower the golf course, um, but for the most part, everybody's picking spots. They want to get to their numbers. Um, they're attacking pins from angles. And, and that's where I really think the art and skill of the game is at its greatest display. You know, men, you know, you watch a guy, they just hit it 330. It could be in the rough. It could be in the rough. And they got a wedge in their hand. And if they're not short-sighted, you know, you can get something in there close and have a 10 to 15-foot putt and, and make a birdie, you know. And the women's game is a little bit different than that. Uh, now, you mentioned you played in the Diamond Resorts tournament you do play in a lot of pro-ams how is that experience for you do you get nervous on the first tee do you feel those adrenaline the adrenaline like on the football field what is that feeling for you out there absolutely no I don't get I don't get nervous at all um I'm out there just having a good time I I don't like I think a lot of guys that play in those pro-ams they think they're going to go out there and shoot 65 or 66 like the pros are going to do and that's just not going to happen I mean you're going to you're a 10 handicap most likely you're going to be a 12 with all the people around (laughs) so just enjoy the ride don't get in the way of your pro because that's how they make their living. You know, I try not to do too much talking on the greens and on the tee box. And if we're walking the fairways, that's when I kind of ask my questions and, you know, kind of get the things that I'm trying to get out of the round done, you know. But once they're on the greens and the tee box, I let them do what they're supposed to do. I, I love where you get your information from, right? It's like you, you, you're you aware enough to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to ask you right now, but I'm going to come back with it. But, you know, you've been a voice for growing the game of golf within, you know, the Phoenix community, also within the PGA of America via the PGA Reach. You know, you're, you're one of the trustees of, of the PGA Reach. 
talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, your philanthropy in the game of golf and what you hope to see by your investment into the PGA of America. Well, golf has done so much for me um, just in the last seven, eight years in terms of um, just opening my eyes to just a whole slew of things I was never introduced to. I was never um, included in and, you know, and being able to be around some of the the executives that I get a chance to play with, you know, I, I can see life from a different perspective. Um, you know, nowhere else could you be able to, you know, sit and, you know, play, play golf or, uh, you know, spend four hours with president Obama. Like if you tried to get into his office, they will tell you to, to go kick rocks, but you could literally ride in a golf cart with him for four hours, ask him every single question you could imagine, you know, get to actually really know somebody. Um, golf is the best four hour interview you can ever have. I can mm. tell you immediately after I get done playing golf with somebody after four hours, if I, ever want to play golf with that person again, if I could do business with that person, you know, are they honest? Are they trustworthy? How do they deal with, uh, you know, with, with achieving great things? How do they adjust struggles? I mean, you see all of these things within four hours. I don't care who you're playing with. There's going to be, there's going to be air shots. There's going to be bad things that happen. There's going to be a ball that's lying on a, on a twig. And, you know, I'm watching this. They, hey, he moves that ball and that ball moves and he don't call a, call a penalty on himself. I'm going to have a problem with this, you know? So, um, you know, it's all of those things I'm, 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 I'm watching and, and learning when I'm playing. You definitely learn a lot about a person on the golf course. A Have lot. you ever? No, no go ahead. My go biggest ahead. pet peeve, my big, biggest pet peeve, Shai, is when you're riding a golf cart with somebody, and it's as it's, 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 it's as if they're in the golf cart by themselves. Like they hit their ball, and no matter where they're, where your ball is, they're going to their ball first. I mean, yes, they don't, they don't even <laughs> watch your ball where it goes. You know, like all those things be driving me crazy. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You notice a lot about a person, you know, they're kicking yeah. their ball or they're not counting yeah. all their shots or they're slow. I can't stand slow play. Yeah. <laughs> That's important though. There's a, there's a lot of pet peeves, Larry. Like you alluded to yeah. like one, <laughs> I got similar pet peeves in Cheyenne. We did an episode on our golf bugaboos. You know, I've got issues with my golf game. I'm gonna be honest with you. I am an announcer. You're going to hear about how I hit the last shot. I'm working on that. I'm seeing a therapist <laughs> about it. But what other things when you're playing with folks, Larry, that you see, that, that drive you nuts? The pace of play is one that's really big with me um, because like I play with the greatest players in the world and they play fast. They get to their ball, they have their range finder, they know their numbers. Um, and the other one is on the greens. It really drives me crazy. Like I do my homework when other people are putting. Like if my, yes. if I'm, if I am if know I'm third to putt, I'm already kind of doing my homework. I'm walking around, I'm walking out, you know, I'm doing everything I need to do. So when it's my turn, I'm putting my ball down, picking up, picking up my mark, and I'm putting my, my putt. Like, yes, I, yes, like that drives me crazy. You should be, you should do your homework early and and get on with it. Be ready when it's your turn. Yes. Yes. Now I know you love to travel as well, and obviously golf takes us to some amazing places. What are some of your favorite golf trips or golf courses that you have been able to visit and play? Well, so I played on uh, all. I played on six different continents. Uh, wow. Wise, played in South America, played in North America, obviously, played in Africa. I played in Europe, played in Asia and Australia. So, I mean, I, it's wow. taken me to some amazing places, some places I never thought I would I would go. I met some unbelievable people. And like, I'm like going to people. Like I, like I roll up and, you know, I, I'm at Royal Melbourne. It, it, they ask me, mm. do you want to play with members or do you want to play by? No, I, let me play with whoever. Because yeah. I met some really, really cool people just kind of like, just randomly, you know, not not knowing them, not who they are, what they do, them not knowing who I am, and you really get the chance to 
organically build a relationship. And sometimes these relationships last a long time. I mean, I remember me and Andre were playing over here at Camelback Golf Course one time. Um, just randomly, a guy jumped in our group. We hit it off. He lived in Dubai. Um, we were one time in Dubai. I never let him know. He was on the driving range at the same golf course. Stop it. And then about a year, and then a year later, we were playing at Queenwood outside of London. And he happened to be a member at Queenwood, and we wow. played again. I'm like, like so the golf world is so it's so small. It's so small. It is. I mean, and just to be able to build those type of relationships is is fabulous. You know, you talk about those relationships, Larry. You talk about the access that you have to to different people and CEOs and janitors, everybody. You know, at the golf course, has there been any instances like the one you just described where where you really do find yourself in a conversation that you would have never been in had it not been for golf? All the time. All, all the time. Um, I mean, last year I met a, I met a really nice gentleman, Mr. Bottomley from from Kansas City. Uh, we were just over at uh, me and Andre again. We're playing over at uh, at the Biltmore, and uh, he was just a single. We jumped in with his with his group, um, and you know we really hit it off. He's a you know big businessman, and and now he's like a mentor to me. Um, and I talk to him probably you know once once a month just on different business topics and. You know, like you just you just never know who you're gonna meet in golf. And most for the most part, everybody that you meet out there is pretty solid. You know, because for you to be able to play golf, obviously, I feel like you have to be you know a little bit mature. You have to have a lot of time on your hands. Um, and golf is not the cheapest sport to play. So the people that you're interacting with, for the most part, are pretty pretty much have some common sense. You know. <laughs> That's true. What is your take of the state of golf and what we're doing, you know, of growing the game in the minority community or junior golf? Um, and, and what do you think we need to do in order to continue that progress? I think the biggest thing we can do is just make the, continue to make the game accessible, right? Um, you know, what the First Tee program does, and I go back home to Minneapolis and I see all these young African-American kids and Hispanic kids out there playing golf, it makes me so incredibly happy because I know they're going to be learning those same lessons that you know, we all learn on the golf course and how to interact and how to look somebody in the eyes and, and shake their hands and um, tell somebody a good shot, you know, giving people positive affirmation, all the things that we need um, to teach our young people. I want them to be able to get those experiences and, and the relationships that you're able to gain, you know, from being able to be around different people on the golf course. And um, I, I think we're doing a really good job. PGA Reach is giving me an opportunity to really see some of the grassroots programs that are being worked on and also be able to, you know, give my thoughts and opinions on things that I think we can improve. And I just really like the way the game is going. I, I love that it's a global game and it brings people of all different walks of life together. And so I think we're on the right track. We just got to continue to keep forging. And ironically, you know, COVID-19 this year, I think it's brought so many people to the game that never would have played. I mean, they, you know, you couldn't go into the office anymore to work. There's a lot of things that just weren't available to us that we were accustomed to. And golf was one of those few activities that you can go out. You could keep your social distance, go out there and get a good walk, enjoy the camaraderie with your friends and different people that you associate and meet with. And I think it's done a great job of growing the game uh, during these last six months as well. Well, especially when you play with people like Cheyenne, because I hit it all over the lot, and her her <laughs> ass is straight down the middle. So from a social distancing perspective, me and Shy got yeah. that covered in our rounds of golf. Like, almost I almost do. need another cart when I play with Shy. <laughs> I want to talk. I want to ask you a question because I feel like from my vantage point, um, it's so important for people like you to be vocal about the game 
in, in various media and various forums. Do you feel like it's on your shoulders a little bit to grow the game, to speak to uh, minority youth in, in various you know communities across the country to introduce them to golf? And how's that dynamic with like sports and football? Because it's got to be a kind of, you know, you have a passion for, for football, you're an athletic guy, but it's got to be interesting when you go into these communities and you're talking about golf and you're talking about football, and you're talking about sport. So how do you manage that dynamic? I don't feel it's, uh, it's necessarily on my shoulders, but if people ask me uh, about it or if I'm, if I'm talking about it, I definitely will explain the importance of it to me. I, I, I want my sons to try to introduce my sons to it. I want them to play. The other thing that's great about golf is that you could be four years old or you could be 94 years old. You can go out there and play it and enjoy it. It's a lifelong game, um, and you continue to grow um, and get better. They have tees, placements for every single level of player. Um, so, the handicap system makes it fun for you know a scratch player to be able to go out there and play with a with a with a ten handicap and, and still be able to have a competitive match. And so, I think there's a lot of things that the game brings that uh, that makes makes it so much fun and why I enjoy it. And I tell people that all the time. Now you've played golf with a lot of people. Um, I'm curious as to who have been some of your most memorable uh, playing partners. Oof, man. That's tough. I mean, I, I play with some some a, a lot of amazing people, but I probably say I play the most golf with uh, with Andre Roberts. He's a good friend of mine. He played for the Buffalo Bills. We probably play 50, 50 something rounds a year, sixty rounds oh, wow. a year. I play a lot with Patrick Peterson. We probably play 40, 40, 50 rounds a year. I would say those two. I play a, a whole lot of golf, and we've been all over the world together playing i mean 36 every day for a week straight wow. i mean um, that's a I mean, lot we, of we golf just, we, yeah we we love it we love it we, we can't get enough of it i think i owe patrick peterson like 50 dollars, but he he left the course before we could tally up the score so tell tell pat i got his money if he if he asked larry look uh, i had trust a... me he's not he's not missing it he's not he's not, he not missing it. he's good he's good <laughs> Well, Larry, we appreciate you jumping in again. Just want to steal a little bit of time from you to talk about G in the best way we know possible. Jump on birdies, not BS. So big shout out to Larry Fitzgerald for coming on here. And, and thank you so much uh, for just taking the time from your son's practice. You missed a couple plays, but I'm sure you'll, you'll see the results <laughs> later. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you guys this evening. And, uh, and I wish the best for you both. Stay healthy. Thanks, Larry. Every time I talk to Larry, I'm just so impressed with uh, the well-roundedness of just how much he cares about the game. He not only cares about on the course, he cares about the players, he cares about PGA reach and giving back to the the sport. Um, you don't hear many athletes that are really that engaged and that committed to a, a, the game. I think during our conversation, the thing that stuck out to me most is how much he loves the LPGA Tour. Yes. The majority of folks don't realize that the LPGA players actually hit the ball roughly the same distance as your average amateur. You know, you're playing similar length distances and, and course condition. Well, not course condition. That's for damn sure in, inaccurate. But it, <laughs> the game resembles the amateur game resembles more closely to the LPGA than it does the PGA Tour. Right. And I find it remarkable that he's able to recognize that and gravitate toward the LPGA Tour to understand that. That's that's amazing to me. No, I agree. And and when he does speak about 
the women's game, that's when you can tell that he is a true golf fan. Um, He knows what he's talking about. He knows the players. He knows how to strategize and play different types of styles of golf. Um, And I love that because it's always nice to to hear that someone appreciates what you're doing. So shout out to Larry. (laughs) Big shouts out to Larry. Well, you know, we can't thank Larry enough for taking the time away from his son's football practice, which seemed like it was in somebody's backyard, but it's all good. COVID life. We got to give a huge shout out to uh, just to what Larry's doing on the football field. Cause again, he's an icon. He's a legend. Cardinals are, I think they're doing all right this year. So hopefully they can keep it going. Um, and this is another season a- for Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, this, you talk about the iron man, like he, yeah. you know, we all the same. Well, we, we, Larry and I are the same age. You still way behind us, but be doing it for as long as he's doing it and still have the passion, the enthusiasm. Yes. I don't know where he's falling with retirement. I've, I've read different articles, but I tell you what, when he does retire, you're going to see that man play so much G it's going to make your head spin. I mean, I'm impressed that he's already playing so much golf, right? Let alone, you know, once he retires, so I can only imagine. My man said we got a bye week so let's go ahead and get it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> man, Coming to an end, Doug. Oh, man. All good things must I guess. come to an end. Season two, wrapping it up. Um, it's been fun. I, thought, I think we had a lot of great guests, great interviews, great conversations, great engagement with you guys online. So thank you for listening. Yeah, it was, it, you know, it was one of those things, Shaw. I didn't know how the, the season would go. Um, you know, especially with COVID and trying to do more and more, um, you know, interviews, you know, we listened to, to the feedback out there from the listeners. So, you know, you guys wanted longer episodes, you guys wanted more, um, celebrity interviews and golfer interviews. Um, it's, it it was fun for us. I think Shia and I both got to grow as journalists, you know, um, we are not journalists by any stroke of the measure, but we've had the opportunity to, to try to provide some content and, you know, get, looking forward to Cheyenne being part of the the, the, pro, the production team for the match uh, around Thanksgiving with Charles Barkley and Peyton Manning, Phil and um, uh, Steph Curry. So Cheyenne, congrats on on being a part of that Thank Turner you. production team. Super excited for you. Uh, everybody, tune in and watch Shy. Give her some love. Um, and uh, we'll be around. So, so thank you guys always for rocking with us. Thank you so much for being a part of, of our growth and the show's growth. Be sure, go back and listen to previous episodes. Like them, comment on them, do your thing. You know where to find us as always. Birdiesnotbs.com or on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at birdiesnotbs. Again, we're going to be talking to you guys throughout the off season. Send us your ideas, your questions. Um, we're going to make some content for you all while we're not recording episodes. Yeah, we, and We got photo shoots lined oh, yeah. up. We got some video crews lined so up. fancy. I know, right? So <laughs> yeah. y'all stay tuned, man. We're going to keep it rolling in the season three. I don't know when it's coming out. You're going to have to ask Mighty Bell, the producer, but uh, we'll holler at y'all, man. Holler. <laughs>